now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. All right, let's say it together. Your Backyard Millionaire Creed. Promise yourself to invest in yourself. Promise yourself to trust you. Honor your own instincts. Promise yourself to never invest, never invest on an emotional basis. Never. Promise yourself to negotiate with win-win in mind. Promise yourself to find a need in your marketplace and fill it and begin with the end in mind with everything you do. Promise yourself to look forward, but don't live there. Promise yourself to learn from the past, but don't spend too much time there either. Promise yourself to live the good life right here where it's found in the present. Say love is more precious than gold It can be bought and it can't be sold You know what's funny? Tiffany and I have a new member of our family. Tallulah is six months old. She's a wonderful little King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. The first female we've had, had males in the past, never had a female. And we've just, we just think the world of her. She's just an incredible fit. Reagan has tolerated her for the last couple of months and he's now beginning to love her. And she's got these weepy eyes. So her, her eyes kind of like weep in the, in the white of her fur right around her nose kind of stains with the, you know what I'm talking about. And she's got these feathers that are coming off of her cheeks and they kind of once in a while get ruffled and they'll stick out. And again, we just think the world of her. We love this little dog. She's amazing. And she was playing really hard last night. You know, she's kind of still that little puppy that is bounding after whatever toy. She just endless amount of joy and enjoyment in our family she got her hair all mussed up top standing up and sideways and cockeyed one ear was sort of flopped over king charles cavaliers have big long ears hers was like flopped over and then her feathers on the side of her face were all like out and then with these tear-stained eyes she ran outside and something caught her attention and she turned back to me and she had this look of like like it was like and I said to Tiffany, I said, is she, is she not as beautiful as we think she is? I mean, this is like a skin like, and she said, stop it. She's amazing. And she is, she's beautiful. But just that look was just like with this wild sort of, almost like a cat. It was just funny. We love her though. So uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Thank you for joining me. You can find this program online, ilovehomeralaska.com forward slash podcast. Also, wherever you get podcasts from Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, whatever you use to get podcasts, this show is there for you. All the episodes and some episodes that have never aired here on the radio. Also, so just independent podcasts are there as well. So type in the Backyard Millionaire or Chris Story into your podcatcher and you'll find me. There is a risk in speaking up, and you know this. There's a risk. You, you can pay a price. 
but it's worth it. Have you heard the Carrie Lake leaked tapes? I'm sure you have. The, the leaked conversation with the Republican Party uh, head in Arizona bribing her. There's no other way to say it. Bribing her with uh, potentially millions of dollars, a position worth millions and millions of dollars. If you've not heard it, just look at, just type in Carrie Lake audio leak and you're going to find it. It's a handful of minutes, maybe seven, eight minutes. And this guy, representative of the Republican Party in Arizona, he's the head of their party in Arizona, is essentially almost begging her to just take the money from the East Coast, which we know where they're talking about DC, take the money, or how about a job? How about, how about a job at a company? I mean, this is exactly what we know happens. You understand that, you know it viscerally, you just know it. Yeah, you've seen it in movies, you've seen corruption and people will portray it here and there, but you just know it's real. You know what's happening. I'll give you an example. Our Realtor Association has a, has a large lobby. I mean, one of the largest lobbies, like behind tobacco and, and pharmaceuticals, is then the realtors. And a guy who was in charge of our, he was sort of our liaison between D.C. And, and the bumpkins like me out here in the hinterland. And I asked him one day, I was, he was here visiting us and um, bragging actually about, which is funny, bragging about his amazing apartment in Washington, D.C., this palatial, amazing apartment. Like it, a few stories down from him, a couple of restaurants, health spas. Like he's like, I never have to leave the building if I don't want to. I mean, this is just like state-of-the-art living, single, single building living, retail, barbershop, everything. Right there in one building, a, a not a casino, but a you know, lounge, really high-end lounge, restaurant on this floor, that. Uh, go all the way to the basement, get into a subway, high speed, boom, get to wherever you need to go. And he's bragging about all this. And, and I said to him, I said, well, let me ask you this, Kevo. Uh, at the time, we were watching House of Cards, Kevin Spacey, before, before he was, you know, determined to be a pervert and, you know, canceled. It was an interesting show. He and Robin, oh, Sean Penn's ex-wife, Robin Wright, were in that originally, and it was an interesting insight to Washington, D.C., but it's also, it's make-believe. It's on Netflix. So I said, I said, hey, Kevo, it was Kevin, but as I retell the story, I like to emphasize that, you know, he and I were chummy, and I called him Kevo, and I didn't. And I just said, hey, Kevo, is that, is that at all real? I mean, aside from the fact that the president in the fictional story pushed Zoe, the little reporter, into the subway, spoiler alert, season one, uh, into the subway and killed her, into the, to the tracks, and then the subway ran her over. Other than that, I mean, is, is this real? And he said, you will not believe how close to real House of Cards is. And unfortunately, I do believe it. And Carrie Lake's audio says it. She turned down a fortune, millions. She turned down a fortune. Now, no number was specifically given from the RNC, but it was implied. You know it was there. If she had said, hey, look, 10 mil, and I'll, quote, pause for a couple of years, you know she could have done that. She could have taken a board position like Hunter Biden did. She could have taken, like, like Nikki Haley, for that example, on, um, was it Lockheed Martin, whichever defense contractor she took a position with and ended up with $8 million. Obviously, this was available for Carrie Lake, and she said, no, the country's worth fighting for. So she turned down buku bucks, power, promise of future power, all this kind of stuff, and said no based on her principles. Her principles were not for sale. Now, you're not Carrie Lake. Nobody's coming to you and me 
and saying, hey, I'll give you millions of bucks to shut up, Chris. Nobody's coming to you and me and saying, hey, a couple of million, 10 million, 5 million, how about a board seat over here on Burisma? Uh, I know you don't know anything about gas and oil, it's fine. You don't know anything about the Ukrainian landscape or, you know, it's just fine. Just here's a couple of million, here's a million a year, here's 300,000 a month, whatever it is. Can you imagine $300,000 a month and you say no? Carrie Lake did. Now, you and I, again, we're not getting this offer. Nobody's proffering us this kind of money. But yet at the same time, that risk that you and I both agree is worth taking, that Carrie Lake stood up, had backbone, had principles on her side, had America in her mind first over her own welfare, that opportunity is here and now in your own backyard. Right now, you've got a voice. You have influence. Question is, are you using it? Question is, are you sitting idly by and busy? We're all busy. Everybody's busy. And this is the problem. Entrepreneurs, business owners, so many on the conservative side of most issues for just for whatever reason, we're busy and aren't the people that are constantly making up the boards and committees and commissions and so forth. And so what happens is you'll find after a few years of not paying attention, what do you mean we spent $3 million studying this thing over here? Do we have the 350 million? We don't? Do we have a promise of it? If not, then what on earth are we doing here? Um, we're just not paying attention. So we're sitting idly by in a lot of cases, not everybody, and you might not be, but I'm suggesting you have every opportunity to do just as Carrie Lake did. Stand for America, stand for your country. Simply put, your backyard matters. Now, this week, and this is not about me, but I'm gonna swerve into myself for just a moment and say this week I'm on the front page of the Homer News because I was speaking out publicly about an ordinance that the city of Homer was proposing that would necessarily increase the cost of our city, would be putting the brakes on, or at least attempting to put the brakes on a market, a sector of our market, of our economy, short-term rentals. And with my stance, with my speaking out and saying, this ordinance is ill-conceived, it's based on fallacies, not fact, it's based on feelings, not facts. It's based on nothing quantifiable in the marketplace that you can point to other than the feelings and the considerations of some, which ought to be listened to is what the public space is about. People should have a voice. I'm not suggesting that they should be silenced, but I am suggesting that the ordinance shouldn't continue on just for inertia's sake. And so as a result of saying this, I know that I'm risking upsetting someone. It wasn't my goal wasn't my point, but I understand that and I've deemed the risk worth it. So often, as business owners, conservatives or entrepreneurs, whatever, we're just, again, busy. Well, look, at and this is by, okay, we put a full stop period here so there's no conflation of the two. Just look at Elon Musk, for example. Did not need the headache of X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, did not need that $44 billion bet. That's, that's the value has shrunk like George Costanza in a cold swimming pool. I mean, it has shrunk, right? I mean, like it's, he's lost a fortune. He's staying the course. He sees a long game. But the point is he stood up for what he considered to be a paramount freedom in this country, freedom of speech. And so it's difficult to stand up, and when you take a risk, you do stand up to take a risk. You could get hit, you could, get, you could lose a little. I'm suggesting, and I submit to you, there's more to gain. You have more to gain, the country, 
your community, and through it, your country has plenty to gain, gain in your own backyard if you're willing to speak up. We're going to be talking today about the psychology around your money, five simple ways to save $1,000 quickly, and what's your financial IQ when we return to the Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. Direct from Homer, Alaska. Don't panic. Just come up with a good story. Here's the host of Backyard Millionaire, Chris Story. Thank you for being here with me. Mr. David Webb is your engineer and producer all the way back up at the mothership of KPN and KGTL AM and FM. We're brought to you courtesy of Horizon Wireless, 226-3130. Horizon Wireless. They carry our broadcast absent any delay because they've got the best wireless network. You could have them as well, 226-3130. So I want to just bring this conversation full circle, and we're going to move on to the psychology around your money, why your mom is always right, and five simple ways to save $1,000 quickly. Just coming full circle with this idea that you speaking out and taking a risk and how it's greater for you. I, I, I truly mean this. I think the risk is greater for you to sit by idly on our hands as we so often do because we're busy out there doing it in the marketplace. We're out there building something. Take your eye off the ball and trust me, people are running with it in the wrong direction. Indebtedness, how did we get to $32 trillion in debt? How did we get just in our state of Alaska alone how do we run in the red every single year? How is it that they're having your permanent fund, which is a share of the subsurface rights of this state of which almost no private ownership is had, almost none. How is it that they're absconding with 50% of that against the law that was established to create that? How is that? Well, because you're busy. We're busy. We're out there doing it. I'm telling you, America is at greater risk when you say nothing than your business is at risk when you say something. America is not Washington, D.C. America is you and me. America is made up of you. Millions, hundreds of millions of you. Small towns, we the people, make up the small towns. We the small towns make up the states, the counties, the country. We are the country. We are the backbone in our own backyard of the country. We the people have an obligation to stop scope creep legislative creep we have an obligation to stop it zero baseline budget we have a we have an obligation to tell our local officials to stop overspending stop looking for new avenues of quote revenue which is another word for tax stop absconding with more make opportunity make way for opportunity in our own backyard our mayor here in homer alaska ken kastner is proposing a business license I don't know if it's been introduced or not, but he texted me the other day, said he's going to be proposing a business license for our little community. It's unnecessary. It's superfluous. It's on top of the already required state business license. It's going to cost us some money. We're going to have to increase the fees. We're going to have to increase how we collect it, how we monitor it, how we measure penalties against. It's not necessary. We need to stop it before it starts. That's all. It's That's it. We just use our voice or lose our voice. Jim Rohn used to talk about, hey, use it or lose it all the time. He's, you know, He was talking financially. He was talking about your, your financial IQ, which, by the way, we'll talk about here on the program. But he said, tie off your left arm. Just tie it to your body and leave it there long enough, and it will stop working. You'll lose the ability to use your arm. And that's what I'm worried about 
with our voice. I'm worried that if we do not speak up enough, well, we're going to lose it. And that's not a risk I'm willing to take. So I put myself out there um, and, and risk upsetting some people. And you're always welcome to contact me or anybody that you see speaking out if you have a disagreement. That's what America's about, is communicating with each other. And I suggest we start now. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. What's your psychology around money? Do you have an abundant mindset or a scarcity mindset? Now, there could be other mindsets, but let's just focus on those two. The polarity between abundance and scarcity. I think it's one of the greatest gifts of capitalism is the ability, even if it can appear to be an illusional ability, to control your own destiny. It's yours. It's in your hands. And the best way to control your destiny, the best way to harness capitalism and put it to work for yourself is to deliver more in use value than you accept in cash value. If, and housing's a perfect example. Absent government intervention. Okay, I'm talking about rent controls and onerous fees and, and regulatory input from your government. Absent that, you can get, you can rent your property for fair market value. Tiffany's aunt, and I say aunt again because she was a um, children of a Ukrainian immigrant and she was a, a uh, she still is a world-class concert pianist and inherited from her Ukrainian parents who immigrated into this country back in the 40s, a brownstone in New York. Multiple living units in this brownstone and one or maybe more, at least one of the tenants was in rent control at like 150 bucks a month from the 50s. And it couldn't raise the rent. And here's the kicker. Talk about government intervention. The person who originally took that lease out and had the rent control was able to transfer it to their heirs. Transferable rent control? Oh, what a bad idea. So again, absent some intervention like that by your government, let's say you're able to rent your property for a fair market rent of, I'll pick a number, 1800 a month. All right, for $1,800 a month, less than 2000 bucks a month, the tenant will get a clean, comfortable, safe home, safe harbor, running water. You know, we're talking about sanitary conditions, running water, plumbing, you know, sewerage, working sewer, a kitchen with appliances, all the amenities that make life worth living in our modern era. And that would cost, let's just say that it would roughly cost some six hundred thousand dollars all right six hundred grand to pick this property up you as a tenant can rent it fractionally for eighteen hundred a month you're getting at a pittance pittance of the actual value you're getting so much worth so much value out of that eighteen hundred a month i mean it's keeping you off of the streets it's keeping you out of living in a park or the post office that's a bargain that is an excellent i way to describe providing more in use value then you take in cash value. So with an abundant mindset, you're going to be able to see that the deals aren't all gone. You're going to be able to see that there's plenty for everybody. All you have to do is get involved. 
Get your credit in order. Get your money in order. Get your money mindset in order. There's never been a closing off of the spigot of opportunity. There has never been one, nor will there be one. So it's how you look at the world. Look at the world through an abundant mind. And don't just wait. Get busy. Get started on your plan, and it will follow. I have long been unable to understand the atheist in this world of so much beauty. And I've had an unholy desire to invite some atheists to a dinner and then serve the most fabulous gourmet dinner that has ever been concocted. And after dinner, ask them if they believe there was a cook. listening to the backyard millionaire how to create wealth where you are with what you've got if you've not read or listened to my book the backyard millionaire subtitled coincidentally how to create wealth where you are with what you've got it's about a guy called august he's a sales clerk in a hardware store and he meets a man who would take an interest in him and change his life and it's loosely based on my life relative to people i've met people i've been influenced by books i've read and a couple very unique and rare individuals that have informed and influenced my life, starting with my father, Norm's story, and another guy called Oscar Hochold, Chuck Huff, Charles Huff Sr. Some amazing people. This, I love that book. Michael Dukes did the narration. If you like to listen to audiobooks, Michael's one of the best. I could listen to him read the phone book. So having said that, when he read my book, I've listened to it probably six times just because Michael takes me away every time you can find it at i love homer alaska.com forward slash books i love homer alaska.com forward slash books and that link will take you to the audio ebook hardcover or paperback of the backyard millionaire the lord has promised good to me country it's so funny every now and then just to think about that what a, every now and then i'll see the flag the united states of america i'll see the beautiful red white and blue and just almost feel like a like just want to stand up a little straighter and just almost bring a tear to my eye i hear people talk about this country in a way that i don't understand sometimes like our own president and talking about 51 percent or more of the public that is he just despises I may disagree with you or 
somebody else politically, but I don't despise you. I may not understand. I may not understand how you come to the conclusion by which you live your life, but I still love you. I still love Americans. And it's so unfortunate that it will take a cataclysmic, awful event to bring us back together. Let's do it now. Let's play the game now where we're all on the same league. Maybe we represent different teams, but we love each other. We love the country with which gave us the opportunity to speak. Use this microphone, use your microphone. Man, she's worth defending. She's worth defending and there's never been a greater or bigger opportunity available to more people than right now to enjoy the opportunities that America offers, the fruits with which you can produce from this tree of life that is America. At the risk of sounding, you know, syrupy, I'm serious. I, like right now is an incredible opportunity. I've helped two friends in the past couple of months meet the people that I've assembled as a, as, a, as a publishing team and say, take your book to them. Take it to them right now and get it out there. And you could be published and out there in the world in the marketplace tomorrow or at least within a week. These opportunities are available to every single human being. Financial wealth can be accumulated with almost no investment out of pocket in real estate still to this day. When we return, I'm going to be talking about how your mother's always right. A passage from David Schumacher and how his mother changed his life forever when we return to the Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm your host, Chris Story, host for all things possible and prosperous in your own backyard. One of my favorite books, and this was given to me in 1993. Was it 93 or 92? Anyway, uh, Charles Huff, his son was an attorney, is an attorney here in Homer, and owns the fabulous and wonderful Kachemak Bay title and Stewart title of the Peninsula in Soldatna. I went to school with Mike's kids. Charles Huff meets me while he's here on vacation, visiting his son and grandkids. And and uh, we got to talking. I was working at the hardware store, and we got to chatting. And, and um, he asked what I wanted to do. And I said, well, I'm very interested in real estate. I really want to be a real estate investor. And the next day, he handed me this book called the, and this is this very book I'm holding right here, The Buy and Hold Real Estate Strategy, How to Secure Profits in Any Real Estate Market. Dr. David T. Schumacher is the author. And it's been a constant companion by my side ever since. I've got a hardcover copy over there. I've got another hardcover copy in my library, but I always keep this one, this paperback version that, that uh, Chuck gave me, close at my fingertips. And I was reading this morning I just randomly open it sometimes to a paragraph or page and just read and I just absorb the wisdom that is Dr. David Schumacher. I suggest if you're serious about investing, you get a copy of this. It's available on Amazon through uh, used, it's out of print, but you can find used copies. I found a first edition hardcover. I was just so stoked that it was only uh, like, I don't know, 30 bucks or something. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? The original cover price was $14.99 for the paperback. So anyway, they can be found. Here's a pair, uh, chapter and why I say your mother is always right. Listen to your mother. He writes, being at the right place at the right time. This is Dr. David Schumacher talking. My mother was extra bright when it came to real estate. One time when I was about 18 years old, my brother and I had saved some money. We were thinking about buying a new Chevrolet. We had about $500 between us. 
When we were ready to put our money down on the car, my mother told us, you guys are making a big mistake. So we held on to our money. There you go. First example, first lesson, listen to your mother. We held on to our money. The next Sunday, we drove down to Hermosa Beach. This is in California, where my parents had a summer cottage. We found a two-unit building not too far from the water, which was listed for $7,000. Now, hold on a second. You'll understand how they were able to buy a duplex in Hermosa Beach, California for $7,000 in just a moment. The seller wanted $500 down. My mother said, that's the thing to spend your money on, son. If you buy this place in just a few years, that piece of real estate will buy a car for you. So that's exactly what we did. We subsequently rented it out. And in a couple of years, we not only had a place of our own, but a new car to drive around in as well. Our timing was superb because we bought it. Here's a kicker. We bought it just before the Second World War when all the influx of the population came into the area to help with the war effort combined with the industrial base that was already in place. There was a huge demand. So what's the lesson? Oh, you can't go back in time and pick up a property pre-World War II, but you can buy one today. You can listen to David Schumacher's mother today, and rather than invest in something that is a wasting asset, a liability, if you will. By the way, we will be talking about your financial IQ in just a moment. I'll give you some tips from Robert Kiyosaki on how to increase your financial IQ. But if you use your money on a wasting asset, it's going to do just that, waste Whereas you can buy an, an actual asset and have an increase in value and purchase what? That's right. It can purchase the liabilities for you. It can purchase the things that are going down in value for you. Now, what's weird is that in 2020, 2021, and 2022, what you, you saw vehicles, used vehicles suddenly increase in value. Actually, you, you could have got a pickup truck, so let's say a Ford F-150 or whatever off the line in 2020 and sold it for more money the next year than you paid for it. I mean, that's unheard of. So that's a weird anomalistic time. Vehicles are not, unless it's part of your business, they're not an asset to invest in. You invest in the real estate as David Schumacher's mother suggested, and it will eventually buy you cars. It will buy you a lifestyle. It will buy you freedom. Real estate will buy you everything that you want if you'll give it enough time. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. One time, Zoe and I, Tiffany, Zoe, and Ashley and I, Zoe is probably eight, eight years old, maybe, something like that. We were coming back from Hawaii. We had been over there on vacation as our family, and and we had this little DVD player, and it had the, it was a little tiny screen you'd flip up, like a six-inch, seven-inch screen. You'd flip it up, open up the little thing, pop in a DVD, and you could watch a movie anywhere. It was battery-operated. This is pre-iPad and all that stuff. And I was sitting with Zoe. I was on the aisle seat, Zoe next to me. Tiffany was a row ahead on the aisle seat with Zoe, ne Ashley next to her. And I was, you didn't know me then, but I was afraid to fly. You'd think right now, Chris, I would be afraid to fly. I was afraid to fly. I was deathly afraid 
flying like just like almost this unshake like I, I could barely do it it was a horrible thing i would look like if we had a vacation plan for six months i would like be dreading it for five actually dreading it right up until the moment we got in the air and they're like okay whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen i just oh it was just not something and i tried to hide it from the kids i, I didn't want to disaffect their future of travels i tried to hide it from them but zoe's a very keen observer of human nature and she could see, like I said, this is low age of eight or nine, whatever. She could read my body language, which now as I look back on it, maybe this doesn't make her a you know, psychological prodigy or something, but maybe I was really not hiding as well as I thought. But anyway, she could see, and just such a kind little problem solver, born problem solver, she sees whatever's happening to me in that moment, and she says, Dad, why don't we watch dodgeball together? And I was like, okay. All right, let's do it. And we laughed for the next hour and a half or hour forty, whatever it was. It just had a great time. And uh, so anyway, as I hear that clip from Dodgeball, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. I'm put right back onto that plane with little Zoe. She had little Tiffany put her hair in little knobs on top of her head. And she used to wear this little um, like silk Japanese outfit. I mean, it's just cutest kid. All right, five simple ways to save $1,000. Can you save $1,000? Now, why am I asking it that way? Why am I suggesting $1,000? Where does this come from? I mean, why not $10,000 or $100,000? Because Bankrate did a survey that 44%, only 44% of Americans can put their hands on $1,000 cash right now. That means over half of the country cannot put their hands on $1,000 cash tomorrow if they had to. And that's a minimum as for a reserve account or some sort of rainy day fund. That would be a minimum, but a good start. If you've got nothing, to be able to save 1000 is isn't about the $1,000, although that can make a difference. It's about who you become in the process of saving that 1000 and what you learn in that process. And I, I can go back to a place in time where Tiffany and I saved up $7,000 one time. And I, I mentioned it, not in a, you know, not apropos of nothing. It was part of a conversation I was having with a coworker, and they're like, how did you save that much money? I was like, I, I don't really know. Tiffany handles our, our books and money, and she still does. Um, but it, was, it, it, it is important to have the ability to be able to save. So I just came up with five simple ways to save $1,000 right now. Take them or leave them. Number one would be to skip meals out until you've reached your $1,000 mark. Just skip meals out, eat at home, Eat Whole Foods at home until, not from Whole Foods, because that would take your thousand. That's what the nickname of that is a whole paycheck. No, I'm talking about whole food that you've made, real food that you've made at home. Um, skip the meals out until you've reached $1,000 savings, rainy day account. I guess a second tip would be to start a, hot, a side hustle, so something on the side in your spare time. And here's the kicker, with tools you've already got. So if you've got a skill or ability or tool to do something, I was listening to an interview the other day with a woman who um, has a pretty big social media following today and a pretty big business built around it. And somebody asked her you know, how she got started. She said, well, I got into wedding photography. And somebody said, well, did you go to school for that? Did you have, no, I just knew a person who was desperate for a wedding photographer. I could take some decent pictures. And I, I had a little editing skills. I already had, I don't know what she said, Lightroom or whatever. She had some sort of editing software already. She already had a DSLR camera. And she's like, I could shoot your wedding for you. And the person said, well, how much? And she goes, I don't know, 300 bucks? Okay. I mean, 300, you know, please. You can't get your 
you can't, you know, I mean, thousands of dollars for, which is what she built up to. But she started on the side as a side hustle with the tools and the skills and the equipment she already had. And that's an easy way to launch. Now, it's not easy if you get rejected. It's not easy if you put yourself out there to do this thing and people say, no thanks, never heard of you. Don't worry about it. Out of 10 people you offer it to, maybe one says yes. Maybe out of 20 people you offer it to, maybe one says yes. You can, you know, the odds are ever in your favor. Just do it. Start a side hustle and have fun with it. Like get a notebook and just start writing ideas. You and your spouse, you and your partner, just start writing ideas down and come up with something. Say, how quickly could we start a side hustle with what we've already got? Don't have to spend any money on it. Could do a little free social media advertising, word of mouth, put the word out to our friends and family and people we, in our circle of influence right now with the skills we've gotten, don't have to go buy something. You could put your hands on a thousand bucks quickly. Third idea, sell something. Sell something you're not using. Sell some things you're not using and aren't ever going to use again. Unfortunately, there's not a big secondary market for clothing. However, you could have a clothing sale. If you've got some cool stuff, you could put it out there to your friends and family. Hey, I'm going to have a clothing sale coming. You know, you might get, what, a couple hundred, two, three hundred bucks, whatever. Take that money, go put it into an account, and then apply the next, or maybe more, because you might have tools, you might have valuable things that you're sitting on that you're never going to use again. You could, you could convert that. You could take an illiquid asset and convert it to something liquid right now. Okay, another one. This is... This is simplistic, but open an auxiliary savings account because maybe you have a savings account right now and money's flowing in and out of it every month and it's hard to actually save something there. Take and open an auxiliary savings account called your investment account at your bank and put in 100 bucks and then do that for 10 months. So if you're one of the 44% that cannot, oh, excuse me, that can. So if you're one of the 56% of America that cannot put your hands on $1,000, at least in 10 months, you'd be able to. And, and who you become in that process will be far more valuable than the 1000 bucks. And then fifth and, and last, because it's my least favorite, is to get a part-time job for a short time. Do something in the off time, do something on the side. If, you, if a side hustle just isn't for you, get a part-time job, weekends, nights, something to create extra income and put it all to savings. Or Better yet, if you've got consumer debt, that is paying off consumer debt at 25% interest is saving money by paying it off now. So you could put that money towards it and you'll be far ahead of the game. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how wealthy is your IQ? Do you have a wealthy and a wealth conscious IQ? Plus, what if you don't have any cash? What should you do? I'm not going to disagree 100% with Dave Ramsey, but I'm going to take issue on one thing I heard him say recently when we return here to the Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. So do you have a wealthy IQ? It's a good question. You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. And when I say wealth in that sentence, please hear health, wealth, and prosperity. Because it's more than the money. It's not even about the money. What you're looking for when you invest in real estate as an asset, collecting properties as a real estate asset and a portfolio you build. Yes, it's about the net worth increasing, especially over time, but it's also about passive income. It's about squaring of value for your life. Purpose, sense of mission, accomplishment, pride in ownership, appreciation, um, 
just they go on and on. The list of assets and the list of attributes to these assets goes on and on. But who you become in that process is just as important. And your IQ, be it measured, I just realized this. I didn't really understand how IQ was measured, which says something about mine. Thank you very much. That it's a, like, what is it, a battery of questions over the course of an hour, hour and a half, two hours, something like that, that literally it's, it's randomized questions about a lot of things. And it's, it's your ability to recall, I think, is really what's being measured from things that you've been exposed to or ought to have if you've got a certain uh, recollection for things. And it just is such a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? See, again, exposing my IQ only to you because you and I are in the trust tree. But it's such a um, meaningless, like insignificant, almost like worthless measurement. Like what's your financial IQ? That's, for, I know people that are almost childlike in their wonder and ability to create things. Like you shouldn't be able to do that. How do you do that? And, oh, well, he didn't know no better. That's, that's, that's the expression I love to use when I'm talking about somebody that is maybe really made it big and you listen to them speak or you, you watch them in other areas of life and you go, huh, you're not smarter than me, but look what you've been able to accomplish. And I'll say, well, they don't know no better. And they just do it. You know, they just go for it. And there's something about their financial IQ, their wealthy IQ, that is incredible. And it maybe is off the charts. Maybe they measure low on an actual, or maybe not, I don't know. But let's just presume that so you found somebody who measured pretty low on your standard IQ test, but their financial IQ, their wealthy IQ, their entrepreneurial IQ is off the charts. So understanding your, your financial IQ, according to Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Understand the difference between assets and liabilities. That's a big deal. This goes back to David Schumacher's mother saying, look, you guys can invest your 500 bucks in this liability, this vehicle. It was, by the way, it was gonna be a brand new Chevrolet. These kids would have just been on top of the world. They would have loved it. But she said, you can take that and invest it in a liability, AKA the vehicle, or you can invest it in an asset and that asset will eventually spin off liabilities to you like vehicles. They took her advice. They increased their financial IQ like that, just instantly. Okay, another thing to measure financial IQ, according to Robert Kiyosaki, is if you focus on passive income. Again, going back to the duplex that David Schumacher bought in 1944, it had passive income instantly. The owner was willing to finance, and by the way, that hasn't passed you by. You can still find an owner finance deal to this day in 2024. You can find people willing to sell a property to you and be the bank and say, look, give me X percent down. I'll carry the note on the balance. Uh, let's agree on an interest rate and a term. It's, it's available today. You don't have to go into the, the DeLorean and go backwards 50, 60 years. It's available today. Different numbers. Not going to find a $7,000 duplex in Hermosa Beach, California today, but you could find something, maybe a 700000 and they want 50,000 down, or you do the math, some number, but that's available to you, passive income. That's a big piece of the wealthy's IQ. Another piece is embracing entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, easy for me to say. Multiple streams of income. I've had Robert G. Allen on this program several times. He's always talking about multiple streams of income. In fact, he wrote a book around it. The best book he's written, in my opinion, that I would recommend you is called Creating Wealth. Better Than Zero Down, Creating Wealth is a book of an all-around approach to creating a wealthy mindset. So multiple streams of income, embracing the idea of becoming an entrepreneur. 
Now, entrepreneurialism isn't about you being in the trench. It's about you hiring the person that digs the trench and you manage the business. So you're at 30,000 feet managing the business. That's entrepreneurialism. Don't mistake that with owning a business. You can do both. But entrepreneurship is what Robert Kiyosaki is talking about and having multiple streams of income. If you have multiple streams of income, it necessarily means you're not in each of those jobs doing them or you'd have singular <laughs> stream of income. So multiple requires you be a, a, a business owner of a mindset that can handle managing people, other people who manage your business for you. Okay, number four, learn to manage debt wisely. I love that. It's a little counter to like a piece I'm going to talk about here in just a minute that I heard Dave Ramsey, a piece of advice that I heard him, heard him give. And I take issue with it slightly, but I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. Managing debt wisely, think of the golden shovel. Our rule here at the Backyard Millionaire, the golden shovel is leverage multiplied by effort will equal gold, will equal the reward, will equal the thing that you want, the person you want to become. You, you can leverage it, but you have to put in the effort. That means you have to do the due diligence, you have to educate yourself, use debt wisely. Every now and then you'll run across somebody who's made it big and they used credit cards to get there. That's not using leverage wisely. That's huge risk. That's like saying, you know what, I've got 10 grand, I'm gonna go to Vegas and see if I can run it up. Better the good chance that you can't and won't. So, but some people have done it. Okay, study them. How did they do it? And by the way, how many times have they gone bankrupt prior to making it big? Or how many times have they gone below zero and make it made it big? Could be several. So know what you know and know what they know and put it to work for yourself. Use manage debt wisely. Okay, consciously educate yourself means pay attention to what's happening. Rather than just sort of wonder, how did they make it? What did they do? How did they get what they've got? Ask them specifically. Let other people mentor you. They want to. The people that are ahead of you on the ladder of life want to give you advice. Never stop reading, never stop learning, and do not get all your financial information from one source. Be it CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, no, not one singular source. Go to many, many sources of media and authors and books. My book, The Backyard Millionaire, one of the favorite, and I've told you this before, but one of the favorite compliments I've ever gotten about it was when somebody said, oh, I thought it was gonna be a book about just making money. Turns out it's about making a life. And that, that's huge for me. But you also need to read The Richest Man in Babylon, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, As a Man Thinketh, and many others. They're on our millionaire book list. You can find it um, on a previous podcast. So let's get to the Dave Ramsey question. What if you don't have any cash? Recently, Dave Ramsey told a business owner on his show that if you don't have any cash to buy your building outright, you should rent. Like if your business hasn't created enough cash to where you can just go buy a commercial piece of property for cash, don't buy it, rent. And here's the thing. I've always told my clients that you have two businesses. One is your real estate business and one is the business that you're in, whatever it is that you do. Let's just say that you're a contractor or in my case, I own a real estate brokerage. Tiffany and I own a real estate brokerage. That's our fundamental, that's the business we're in day to day. Then we have an investment portfolio that in a, an LLC that owns the real estate we're operating in. So here's the way to look at it. You've got these two businesses. So take off your, your, your operator's hat and put on your investor's hat and say, can this business, okay, can this business carry 
fair market rent. Like if, if whoever owns this property, can this business spin off enough money to pay fair market rent? Yes, okay, wonderful. Now, the building you're looking at buying, will the fair market rent of that building cover your debt, cover the mortgage payment? If it's a yes, then ask this. As an investor, do you wanna take a close look at owning this and making sure that it will work for your business who will become your tenant. Things you want to avoid in this process, investing emotionally because you want to impress other people would look at my location, look at what I own, avoid that, avoid balloon payments, avoid adjustable rates, avoid overpaying simply anticipating appreciation. That will come, of course we know that over time, but can your business carry that risk? Maybe not, don't overpay. Your business has got to pay this back. You know, you don't want to squeeze your livelihood just to make up for a mistake or a sin in the market today. Then, yeah, sure, we'll correct 30 years from now, but it could cost you your business tomorrow. Don't do it. Uh, again, avoid buying on an emotion or how it's going to make you look. Um, so best I can understand Dave Ramsey's point was don't kill your golden goose by hampering your golden goose or strangling it just so you could own this building if it's not the right time. And I don't disagree with it, but I also don't agree that you shan't buy anything until you have all the cash because leverage used wisely can actually build up more cash and wealth and prosperity for you into the future than just managing these dollars and cents in your, in your business. Again, two businesses, one's making the widgets and one is an investor, wear two different hats. Literally, go to Amazon or Vistaprint or somewhere and have two hats made for yourself for 25, 30, 40 bucks, whatever it costs, doesn't matter. As long as you can pay for it, don't do the pay later. And, and get a hat that says investor, or it has an initial or something that reminds you of who you are when you're looking at that piece of property. And use wisdom, use other people's wisdom and collected knowledge that you get at places like this podcast and books and other shows, and use that to your advantage. Learn from other people that have gone ahead and done what it is you want to do and use leverage wisely. So when you hear somebody like Dave, Dave Ramsey's top line in his business is $300 million a year. He makes $300 million a year in his business. Wonderful. That's fantastic. When you're making $300 million a year, and I always got 1,100 employees, but still, you can spin up enough cash to go ahead and buy that building. So, But if you're not there and you want to use leverage, so long as you use it wisely, Again, no adjustable rates, no sort of Damocles hanging over your head, meaning a balloon payment due in one, two, or three years where you're going to start losing sleep, or the rate adjusts up on you two, three, four percent, so your payment goes up, your cash flow maybe is down because of the economy or whatever, and suddenly you're in a pickle. So be careful, use it wisely, but you needn't also wait until you've got four, five, six hundred thousand dollars extra cash laying around to enter the game. Well, that's it from the files of the Backyard Millionaire. Christopher Story here along with Mr. David Webb reminding you you can get the show at my website, ilovehomeralaska.com, and you really can make a million bucks in your own backyard. We'll see you next time.